Welcome to Lighthouse Community Church Online. We are so thankful that you chose to tune in to watch online or listen via podcast. This series is titled New, a compelling, practical, and inspiring letter to you and the Church of the Colossians. As you tune in, may we encourage you to do a couple of things that will help you be the new person God has intended you to be. As you engage with the message, choose to be attentive, take notes, and share with us anything God impresses on your heart. Let us know if there is a next step that we can help you walk into. You don't have to go it alone. And stay engaged by texting the word CONNECT to 954-923-8660. You will be kept in the know about upcoming events and important news. Now, let's tune in to hear what God has to say to us through Paul's letter to the Colossians. So as we start this uh, new series on Colossians, today be the, the first one. For the next uh, three, four weeks, we'll be talking about this book. Uh, so this morning, the title to my message is, Who Do You Say That I Am? Who do you say that I am? This was a question that was asked to, Jesus asked to his disciples. I'm sure knew Jesus who he was. Amen? But we need to know who he is. Amen? So, this is a question that all of us have to answer when we come to the Lord. Who do you say that I am? That's an important question. This, this question will challenge you. It will confront you to who God is. And when he asked this question to his disciples, he says, who do you say that I He says, who do, who do people say that I am? That's the first thing he asks. He goes, well, some people say you're the uh, prophet, you're, uh, you know, John the Baptist and uh, a good person, all, all, all these things. How many know a lot of people say that he's a good person? How many, how many is over here? He's a good person. He was a prophet. But then he looks at his own disciples and he says, well, who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Who do you say that I am? And you know, Peter, how many Peters do we have here this morning? A little rough under the neck, a little wild, right? Maybe you cuss once in a while, don't always say the right things. And all your hands are going like this. And your wife is going, all right? I was a Peter. And so Peter, you know, the big mouth in the crowd, you know. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. Wow, all right, Peter. He, he got the right answer. And he says, flesh and blood has not told you this, but my father has revealed this to you. It's amazing that we all have to get that revelation one day that he is the Christ, the son of of the living God. And that will make your whole life completely different. There is no other God besides Christ. He's the anointed one. He's the beloved of the Father. He's the one that was sent. And he is the biggest controversial throughout time who Jesus is. Am I right or am I wrong? And so as we start Colossians, we're going to start defining this morning who Christ is. This 
you need to absorb, and God will show you these things in your heart. This is the million-dollar question that we all need to get right. Jesus asked his disciples to provoke them. He prov but somebody asks you a question, what are questions for? It's to see where you're at. It's, it's not what you say or what you know, but it was what kind of questions you ask is the depth of your knowledge of what you seem to know. How I many know that's to be true? Is the depth of your question. Jesus, when he was at 13 years old, he was in, he was in the, the temple, and they were amazed, not what he knew, but the questions that he was asking the Pharisees and the scribes. They couldn't believe some of the questions that he was asking. Today, let me encourage you this morning, is ask God questions. Not to question him on his decisions, but God is open to you asking him questions. I do. How many? Why this happened? I don't get it. What's going on here? Come on. I ask him questions, and he's available to answer, even if he says, not now. How many know that's a that's an answer also, amen? Some things God keeps to himself, and some things he reveals to us. Why is that? I'm my father, and I have kids. I have a wife. Some certain things I don't tell them to protect them. I mean, that's to be true. So, so the same thing with God. God sometimes hides those things. He keeps them to himself to protect us. Not that he doesn't want us to know. Sometimes we just can't handle the answer. So the question today is, who do you say that I am? And Jesus is going to be asking you this continuously through this message and all the days of your life. Because when something happens, who do you say that I am? Obviously, if, I, <laughs> if he asks you that question, obviously we're thinking we're really, is he all that he is? Correct or not? That's why we ask him the question. So today, he revealed himself through scriptures. How many know scriptures talk about Jesus? It's all about Jesus from the beginning to the end of the book. It's all about him. He says, in him was life, and the life was the light of all men. What does this mean? Jesus is the only one that came from the Father that can give you the life of God. There's nobody else that can do that because he comes from him. And he says he's the light of all men. That means he's the revelator to you who he is. No man can reveal him. Only he himself can reveal who he is to us this morning through scriptures. Jesus is the gospel, and he is the same Jesus that he was yesterday, today, and tomorrow. How many know? See, somebody's clapping their hands. We live in a changing times. God never changes. He's the rock. He's our anchor. Now, you say, well, I know all this. I don't know, but I brushed my teeth this morning. What, what's that mean? What are you trying to tell me? Because I brushed them yesterday. It doesn't mean I don't have to brush them today. I took a shower today for you. I don't look this beautiful in the morning. There's a lot of things I got to do to this thing. My hair is all different direction. I look like a porcupine. And the less hair I have, the more porcupine I look like. Okay? So it takes time to put this thing to get together. So what am I saying that for? Because it's always refreshing to hear the word of God. 
It's always refreshing to hear his word. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. There is no other. Now, he, you know what he says here? He says, he says, I am. I am. I am. What's he saying to me? He goes, Tony, I'm not going to show you a pathway. No, it's I am the way to the Father. There is no other. See, a lot of people can tell you a path to go that leads to God, and you can even learn through the Bible maybe how to be led to God. But God says, you need to receive me. I need to come into your life and receive me because he is our portion. Are you listening to me? He is our portion. And when he is our portion, how many know that when you came into this world, you were, you were naked? I was cute then, but you don't want to see me now. How many can say that? There's only four of you, a bunch of your other guys, we're going to deliver you. So what, what am I saying? I'm saying this. It's because if the Lord is my portion, because he spoke to me that one time because I was concerned about a lot of things. And he says, Tony, I'm your portion. I'm your portion. That means when I came in this world, I had nothing. And when I leave, I'm going to go out the same way that I came in. How many of that's to be true? Now, it doesn't mean that I don't have a bank account. I got money in my bank account. I have businesses and everything else. But the reality is, is when I leave this world, everything belongs to God. I'm only a steward of what he's given me. That's it. Now, that relieves a lot of pressure in me so that I don't have to get all the toys in the world, do I? Amen? It's all about him, and he's our portion. That's all we need. So before we get into the scriptures, let's have a little history lesson about what's happening here in Colossa. Colossae was located in Asia Minor, today known as Turkey. Most of our churches in Revelation was in Turkey. That, that's, that's where the, all, the, you know, all the churches were at. The year was A.D. 60, during his first imprisonment in Rome. Paul wrote this to the Colossian church after he had received a report that they were struggling with Christological heresy. The report came from Epaphras, likely the leader and founder of the church in Colossae, and converted Apollos from his more than two years in Ephesus. When he was in Ephesus, Epaphras received Christ and he became a convert. So Epaphras came to Rome in part to serve Paul during his imprisonment, but confined in him regarding the dangerous teachings that the Colossians were hearing. How many know there's a lot of teachings going through the body of Christ? Amen? So Paul is writing to the Colossians to get some of the things straight. The main purpose of Paul's letter to Colossians was to address the heresy of false teachers. This will be addressed more the next two or three more lessons after this one. But today, we're going to lift up Christ because this is how he starts the book of Colossians. So we're going to lift him up to know who do you say that I am. Then we're going to answer that Christ. He's the Christ, the son of the living God. Because this was an issue in this church. So Paul starts by, by, by the epistle, by building a bridge 
and that to a church that he never met or never was, was at. He was in prison when he wrote this letter. Now, you think about this, how great Paul is. I'm sure Paul had problems and issues of his own when he was in prison. I mean, you would think he would have some kind of problems and issues. But Paul always took the time to encourage others. I'm trying to say something. Amen? Sometimes we're going a difficult time. We're in prison, whatever that prison may be. But take the time to encourage someone else. In spite of yourself, do the work of the Lord. So how he encouraged, he was to, he, he was to hear, he heard in the church about their faith and how the kingdom was expanding throughout the world that they were part of. So he's encouraged, man, you're part of this whole expansion of the new kingdom, the new kingdom of God. So Paul's prayer for them was that they may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom, understanding so that they will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. So in other words, when we receive knowledge and God's will and love, his power should, should affect us to a place that we're walking worthy of the Lord. We're doing the right things in, in, in life. So Paul, he answers his own prayer by telling that Christ Jesus is God, and he is preeminent over everything in life. So let's read Colossians 1, 13 through 20, one verse at a time, and explain them by starting in verse 13. Intermission. Verse 13. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness. He rescued us. We were in total darkness. We were separated from him. Sin separated us from God. That's what sin did to us. And transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son into the light. And God said, let there be light. And so he, now there's, there's the word I'm going to try to uh, explain here is the transferred from the power of darkness to the power of his beloved son. There was a transfer of power that now we're in a kingdom of light, kingdom of, of Christ. And he's taken us out of darkness because when Adam sinned, the relationship changed. He was no longer have a relationship with God. He had a relationship with sin or just, uh, just about, about himself. So this transfer took place that now we're no longer under the power of the enemy, the, the enemy of our soul that will call us all different names. How many has been called names besides your name? But God calls you by your name. The devil will call you by your sin. You're stupid, you're retarded, you're no good for nothing, you won't accomplish anything, and on and on and on. God says, you're redeemed. You're my beloved child. I love you and I care for you. How many know that does a lot for me, that every morning I need to know that I'm loved by God? Now, you may say, really? I wish I could, you know, get some money. Maybe Uncle Jim is going to leave me some money. Can I say something? If, if Uncle Jim left you a million dollars, you weren't smart before the millions, you're not smarter after you get the million. How many know that's to be true? 
So he took us from darkness into his marvelous light. There was a transfer of power that the devil, the enemy of the world, has no more power over you. Now, the question is, do I believe that this actually occurred? If I believe it, then I need to walk this out on a daily basis in spite of what my thoughts tell me. I mean, every day, let me tell you something. I get the, the weirdest thoughts going through my head. I get thoughts when I was 15 years old when I met my first girlfriend. I'm sorry, honey. And, you know, it's like I never, I, never, I never thought about this for 50, 60 years. You know, why is this coming to my head now? And those thoughts I have to fight continue. That fight never, never stops because I have to believe the word of God is true and he's able to, to deliver me from the hand of the enemy that I can walk out as Christ walked upon this earth. In whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sin. Redemption. I love the word redemption. We have been liberated. We have been liberated no longer that the enemy has a hold upon our life. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those that have been delivered from the hand of the enemy. We say so because that's what God said. Even though we don't feel it, we don't sense it, we don't even think about it, but we confess the word of God. Amen. How many know that's to be true? That we need to confess the word of God is what it says is to be true in spite of everything else. From sin and death. Now, you know, it, it's good enough that we're maybe set free from something. Okay, in other words, you did a crime. But God, not only you did, you did a crime, he set you free from the crime, from sin. But he also, from the penalty of sin. How many know is that when you're sick and you have a fever, and after that fever, it leaves you kind of limp. I know that's to be true. See, but God doesn't leave us over there. The penalty of that fever was he, it left us kind of drained. So God doesn't even do that. To us. He doesn't bring it back up on what you did wrong in your life. Because I paid the price. I paid for everything for you that you are redeemed. How many of you know you can start every day in life and start again? Only four of you know that? This is great. You know, because I do stupid stuff. I know it's only me, maybe, that I do dumb stuff in life, okay? But thank God, so, I mean, some days I can't wait to go to bed. I can't wait because I know tomorrow is coming and his mercy is new every morning. Glory to God, amen? I mean, I want to be refreshed and renewed because by 3, 4 o'clock, I tell my kids, you know, you got me between 9 and 3, after 3, 4 o'clock, you know, my, my iPhone starts blinking red. Boop, boop, boop. I'm ready to go down. I'm ready to go down. Prepare, prepare, prepare. You know what I'm saying? I got to plug that in. It shuts down. And that's the way I feel. If I don't go to take a little nap, it shuts down. Something's going to force me to get to that place. So whoever the Son of Man sets free is free indeed. How many know that Jesus Christ has set us free? Now, I keep pressing this point. No, is the need to realize that we are free from the sin, that we can always go before the Lord at any time, no matter what you do. How many know God already knew what you're going to do before you even did it? Do you think he was scratching and said, oh, my God, he's going to blow it again today? I don't think so. God is bigger than that. We can go to him at any time. 
That's the gospel. And then he moves on to know who Christ is. Who do you say that I am? Who is he? He is the what? He's the Christ. Who is he? He, who, I still can't hear. He is, he is the Christ, the Son of the living God. That's who he is, the Son of the living God. Now let's continue. This is verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of creation. He is the image of the invisible God. I'm going to explain image. God incarnated. Christ is not in the image of God. Rather, Christ is the image of God. How many know that when Christ came on earth, he was God incarnate? He walked this earth in the body of the person of Jesus Christ. He was God, man. He was all God and all man. Christ was not born out of the earth. He, God, came from heaven to earth and put on flesh. You have to understand that because he wasn't born. He was born from a virgin. I get all that. But you know something? He came from heaven down to here upon this earth. So he was born from heaven. He was a whole different being than us. This is what the scriptures are saying. He was the incarnate God. And his name is Jesus, the Savior of the world. We celebrate that every Christmas, the Savior of the world, that he came upon this earth. The firstborn, it's a title given to him that he has preeminence over all creation of everything. He's the firstborn. So he owns everything. He's everything. Verse 16, for by him all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He's the creator of all things. Now, you may say, well, I think I know that. How many of those refreshing? I get excited all over again when I read the scriptures. It's always exciting all over. How many of you have ever seen a movie more than once? Come on, how many have ever seen at least, how about two or three times? Four times? Five times. All right. Let me ask you a question, at least for me. The more I watch the movie, first of all, the more I'm relaxed. I know what's going to happen at the end. Let me let's be true. If you never saw the movie, you know how it's going, you're on your toes. You know, you only see like little, little, little snapshots. They go, oh, God, he's saved. Now, my wife doesn't do this. The last three minutes of the movie... She goes, oh, I can't take this no more. Just tell me how it ends. I have no idea. Oh, you're happy about that? You know, it's like I said, I don't get it. How can you stay for 90, you know, like 57 minutes and say, I'm going to bed. I, just tell me in the morning, you know, what happened. So what I'm trying to say here, the more I watch the movie, the more I have an understanding. Oh, John said that. Now I know why Tom did that. Now I know Mary, why, you know, that, why that happened. So I kind of enjoy the movie. The more I watch it, so why am I saying that? The more I read the Word of God, the more I enjoy the ride. I read the, the, the Revelation. I, it, it's a good ending. 
it's a good ending at the end. So I don't mind, you know, like you say, the plane's going down. But you says, there's one survivor, and that's Tony Suriani. No problem. Take the seatbelt off. I'm going down, but I'm living. You see what I'm saying, guys? Because we know the end of a thing from the beginning. Because God already tells us how this story ends. And, you know, sometimes I ask people about, about, a, about a movie. And they say, well, I don't want you, I don't want, I'm not going to tell you the end. I don't want to spoil it for you. How many has ever said that? You know what I say? Spoil it for me. I want to know because how many has ever watched a movie and you, it was a bad ending? And you said, I wasted one hour of my time watching a stupid movie that never took off the ground. It's still, it's still on the runway. It never took off. I, I hate movies like that. He's a creator. He is sovereignty, our Lord Jesus Christ. He's sovereign about all things. I love my wife when she prays. She goes, oh, sovereign Lord. She starts off by saying, man, you got everything under control. There's nothing that passes by you that you don't know already. I love that. He is the architect and builder of everything in life. Psalms 2, why do the heathens rage? This is amazing. Why do the heathens rage? And this is fulfilled in Acts 4.25 when they were persecuted. You know why? <laughs> there was a new sheriff in town. There was a new sheriff. The Holy Ghost came. Christ was resurrected. He ascended. And guess what? The demons are going crazy. There's a new sheriff in town, and that's Jesus Christ. And in his name, come on, give it up to him, right? In his name, demons must flee. Everything needs, needs to be gone in Jesus' name. They will not accept. This is it. The, the demons, and there's also people, they will never accept the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why do the heathens, and I am not going to bow my knee to this God. People will not surrender and come on bended knees, even though, if you read Psalms, Psalms 2, even though it is useless to fight against God and his Christ. How many know there's no match? Okay? I mean, it's kind of foolish, right? But people still do it. He laughs from heaven. This is what the scripture says. He la I don't think he's going, ha, ha, ha. I don't think he's going. But he laughs like, are you kidding me? Are you really kidding me? You're coming against me? And gives people time to repent so they, that the Lord will bless them. How merciful God. God is so patient with us for people just to turn to him. People have their idols that they, they will not give up. I'm going to step on some toes this morning. You want to lift up your feet or you want to still keep them on the floor? Okay, I'm going to step on some toes. When I do, say, ouch. Because there are certain things in life that are, they are our idol, cultural idols. You know, sometimes being Italian, you know, I have my, my own culture bent. And sometimes that kind of gets in the way of what God says. I mean, you know, that's to be true sometimes. You know, we cultural think, you know, this is what the Bible says. But that's, that's totally not true. Social Accepted things. We, we accept social thing, things that we think that, that is to be true. Well, Jesus Christ is, well, he's just one God, but he's not the God. How many has ever heard that before? I'm going to put him in my house. Well, he's just one of them. You know, they got the Buddha, the Hindu, Jesus Christ, the cross. They got all different ones. You know, they're all God. I got, I got people that I know the same way. They say, 
God is all, he's the same God. doesn't matter where you're at. How many know that's not true? But some people believe that. Political idols. Ouch. Sometimes we have political idols that we believe that they're even greater than God himself. Amen? So you guys got quiet now. I'm, I'm checking all you. I see little things top of your head. Let me see. Ah, back there. No. We got political idols. God is reigning that he's sovereign above all things. He knows everything that's going on. Are you kidding me? doesn't matter who in the world you are. You think God's going to be like, oh, my God, you're a Democrat, probably you're, you're this. and you're. You think God sits there and says, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I don't think so. I know this to be true, guys, okay? You know why I can say that? Because I've been a political junkie. You know, I love watching that TV. But now I say, you know what, I'm done with this. Now, not that I don't watch nothing, but not, I'm not so much into it like I, I used to be. Material idols, sensual idols. I know that's to be true, that a lot of us, if it's sometimes we do things that we should be doing, sometimes we still watch pornography, watch those R-rated bad movies. Sometimes we watch things that we should not be watching, that we have those idols that we go to to look at on a daily basis. Self-love, how about that? Self-love. How we live in a society of narcissism that people just love themselves, they take pictures of themselves and everything else? Am I, am I, I'm not, did I step on some feet? Uh, okay. So a lot of people do that, all right? It says, you know, you have to love yourself. Now, I'm not against it that we, we shouldn't hate ourselves, okay? I'm not saying that. But you know what? You, you need to love yourself but not be in love with yourself? How many of there's a difference? Okay? You should love yourself, but not in love with yourself, that nobody else exists besides you. Technology. How about that? I mean, I, I, you know, at the restaurant, I see, I see this so many times. People are just there. They're together. Uh, sometimes I say, are you guys texting each other? Oh, no, no, we're not, we're not texting each other. You know, like you can't put it down for maybe a half hour to enjoy each other, but that's okay. Food and beverage idols, substance abuse, uh, uh, substance abuse idols, and so on and so on. That they worship and not willing to give them up. It takes, a, it takes time from the Lord. When you can be spending time with him, we do other things that we spend time with. I'm not talking about when we come to the Lord, we struggle with some of this stuff. But if we continue in the faith, as you read Colossians, if you continue in the faith, you will be saved. How many know that we all struggle in, in some degree? How many are struggling today? Now, so I got my hand up with you. See, now, if you don't think you're struggling in nothing, that means you have arrived. Please get off the ship. Get these guys out of here. I hope that, that I'm, I'm, I'm with people that, that are imperfect this morning. How many imperfect people do we have this morning? Man, I'm... I'm not right. Some days I got to, sometimes I got to forgive you and sometimes you got to forgive me. Sometimes I have a bad day and I say things I shouldn't be saying. Glory to God. But you guys never do that. How many of you at least thought about it? We're struggling. Struggling is good, only in this sense, struggling. Because before I came to the Lord, I didn't struggle with the, you know, some of those R movies, even some of the X movies. I didn't struggle with it. 
How many know sin is pleasurable? Who, who's going to say, oh, sin is horrible? Oh, don't try that donut. That's horrible. Come on, give me a break. Sin is pleasurable for a season. Then the donut catches up. Have you been eating donuts? Nope. Nope. Nope, not me. If you're struggling, I'm saying that that means that Jesus has come into your life because it was never a struggle before. Does that make sense? Now it becomes a struggle. I want to end this. I want to stop this. Verse 17. He is before all things. In him all things hold together. Hold. This is a word I want to, as we uh, sang the music this morning, I will bless him or I will. Okay, in other words, that that the song said, I will, I will bless the Lord. I will continue praise him, give him glory. No matter what happens, all creation, you know, uh, gives him praise. Hold, sustains all things. How many know the universe does not run by itself? It is Christ that holds it all together. Talk to me, someone. It doesn't run by itself. It is Christ that holds everything together and makes it run the way it does, the way the earth is pitched, the way the sun and everything. It wasn't just somebody just threw it up there. Everything was planned. It was an architect and a builder of all these things that God has done. Acts 17, 28 says, For in him we live, move, and have our being. In him. In him. Not talking about him, but in him. Him, he is the initiator and the sustainer of all creation. He holds my whole life together. He holds my whole life together. How many of us are true? How many can actually say this morning, Jesus holds my whole life together? Because I knew before I came to the Lord, I probably would have been divorced. I would have been divorced if I, the Lord didn't come into my life and rescue me and my wife. We will not be here together this morning. I know it's hard to believe. We never fight now. There's nothing. We have some intense fellowship, but we don't argue. How many know is when you mature, you can have intense stuff? What does that mean? That means I can be intense in our conversation because we're trying to get to the answer. We're not fighting against each other. We're f- maybe it's the wrong word, fighting. But we're arguing about a situation that we're trying to find the answer. When you're mature, you can do that. If you're not mature, oh, you, that's a, you, say, that, 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 you act like your dad. Yeah, me, dad. How about you like your mother? You know, you go through the whole stuff like that. But it's God that holds our life together. This is, this is totally amazing to me because it is he that holds carrying my life together. He is the glue in our relationship. Without him, because as when we talk, it's not about me, honey, and it's not about you. Boy, it's not about me. I thought it was about me. Revelation to this morning, it's not about me. Who is it about? It's about Christ. 
How many know what I'm talking about? It's about Christ because when, when we talk to each other, we, we establish principles. That's good for her and good for me. We live by the principle. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. One is not better than the other. And once, once we start to live that way, guess what? We go to the principle. We go to Jesus for the answer. It's not about us. It's about him that puts our whole life together. And then we say, thank you, Lord, that you're the mediator between both of us. Verse 18, he also is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. First, this is what we have to understand also. He's first. He is priority. He's preeminence. This is the preeminence of Christ. He is alpha and he is omega. He is our priority. He is our one thing. Say the one thing. Okay, that's five of you. Gosh, I'm tired. I'm losing you. The one thing. Okay, ready? We'll say, we all say all together. On, th on three. One, two, three. That's right. That one thing, which is Christ. He be lifted up. Our focus, our eyes should always be set on him. And if it's not set on him, guess what? We'll find something else to look at. How many know that's to be true? Verse 19, for it was our Father's good pleasure for all the fullness to dwell in him. Fullness. Christ is God. If you see me, you've seen the Father. Now, we have a little thing at work. You know, with Stephen, a lot of times they go to Stephen and say, hey, where's your dad? And he says, if you've seen me, you've seen my dad. It's a play on words, but you know, how many know that we need to be together on, on things? Correct? It's if you've seen my wife, you've seen me. If you've seen me, you, sh you should see my wife. And if you see me, you should see Jesus. Does that make sense? Because we're walking epistle. That Jesus, he's, he is part of the Trinity, the triune God. He's part of the Godhead. Verse 20. And through him to reconcile all things to himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross, through him, I say, whether things on earth or things in heaven, reconcile. How many know that Christ has reconciled us with the Father? And now that we can go to the Father and have fellowship with him and also fellowship with one another. He is our peace. He doesn't give us peace. He is our peace. How many know there's a difference? Oh, peace be with you. That's not what he's saying. He says, I died for you that I could come into you and you will be my peace. He's the peace inside of us. The offer's on the table today. It's a good deal. The plea bargain today. The said, we're talking about the plea bargain recon reconciliation. See, some of us this morning have never received Christ in your heart. You never surrendered to him yet. And today is the day that we need to go to the table of reconciliation. That table that speaks of forgiveness. I call it the plea bargain because you ever see those, like I know what I'm talking about here. You watch those detective stories. You know, well, you're guilty. You want to go before the judge? You want to have a plea bargain. They get a lesser sentence. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. They get a lesser sentence. So in other words, that God comes to us. Look, you're guilty. 
You see, we all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all have done something wrong in our lives. None of us are perfect. And he says, come to my table. Let's talk this out. Let's talk now this before for the judgment of God at the end. We don't want to be there. Let's make a plea bargain. Let's talk, even though, let's reason this together. You know, you've sinned, and your sin is red as scarlet, but I can make you white as snow. Let's reason this together. And God is calling us as we all had to come and surrender to him. See, because the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death, and we all have sinned. You are guilty this morning to those that know Jesus. You're guilty this morning. But the free gift, you see, this is free. You don't have to pay for it. This is, let's say, nothing is free. But the best things in life are free. This is the best thing going. It's a free gift. If you accept Christ, you'll have eternal life. And then he said, I've demonstrated this love towards you while you were yet a sinner. Christ died for us. He's not waiting for you to get better. He'll take you where you're at. But he's not going to leave you there. Remember what we said? He's like from the darkness and into your marvelous light. He's not going to leave you there powerless. He's going to empower you, put into another kingdom. He's going to transfer you there. How many know the Bible says where sin is, grace shall abound more? You should be clapping by now. Where their sin is, grace shall abound even more. Grace is bigger than any sin that you ever committed in your life. And all the sins that you're ever going to commit, that God is bigger. His grace is bigger. And we're saved by grace, true faith, not of ourselves, should any man boast. Nobody can go to the Lord. None of us are good. And this morning, if you're one of those persons that you need Jesus in your life, you never made that confession, the altar's open here. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this this morning? Do you believe this this morning? Do I have insurance this morning? Do I have that assurance this morning? And if you don't have that assurance this morning, I invite you to come up. How many sometimes we say, man, I don't even know if I'm saved anymore. How many has ever said that? I'm saved. I, said, I don't know if I'm saved. What is this, all these things that I'm, I'm, I'm going through? And here it is. There's a first death and there's a second death. The first death that we all were appointed to die, we all expire. This flesh expires. We're all been appointed to do that. But my fear is the second death. Maybe some of you never knew about the second death. The second death is when you go before the Lord and you have not received Jesus Christ. This is eternally, spiritually separated from God the rest of your life. Imagine that a place of hell, there's no joy, there's no laughter, there's no exciting. Somebody told me one time, 
I was witnessing to him years back. He says, I'm going to go with my friends to hell because we're going to be smoking cigarettes, dancing and playing cards. He's going to have a rude awakening. That's not what it's going to look like. That's a second death. Then there's a first resurrection, and there's a second resurrection. Maybe some of you don't know this. The first resurrection is the judgment seat of Christ. Those that have are believers, that believe in Christ, they go to heaven, enter into heaven. But the second resurrection, you want to be number two. <laughs> That's basically what this looks like. The great white throne judgment, those are people that did not receive Christ in their lives. Everybody's going to go to heaven one time. At least once. The ones before Christ, eternally they're going to be with, be with the Lord. The other one is damnation and condemn. Because they're going to be sentenced for the rest of their life. Because never accepted Christ. Who do you say that I am? He is the what? He's the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he will be the judge over there. You never received me. This is a call, not only for you that never received Christ, but this is a fear that comes unto me that maybe, maybe when I got saved, my parents might go to hell. This is not something that we keep because we know the truth. And we tell the gospel, the good news, that God loves you. And he died for you. That heaven's door will be open for you. I told my mom, my dad, my sister, my brother, my sister-in-law, everybody I knew. I went to the Jerusalem, to my home, to tell everybody. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but I forget that my loved ones may go to hell because I never said anything. Is that a scary thought or not? I just encourage you today, if you're saved, and you need boldness today. Number one, if you never receive Christ to come out. And number two, that you don't have the courage even maybe to say something. And you need prayer to give you the courage to bear witness of what you have. What you have is not to be kept. It's to be given to someone else. That you're an agent that works for Jesus Christ. I do hope that you heard from God through this message and this series drawn from the Apostle Paul's letter to the Colossians. I never tire of reading this portion of scripture as they consistently encourage, convict, redirect, and align my heart and soul with God. Within the scriptures, we are handed practical, personal instruction that we can apply to our lives. And it is only when we have applied and obeyed the truth that we are transformed by the spirit of the living God. So make today count, take action, and do let us know how we can help you in your walk to your newness of life.